Would you, my friends, please turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 13 in preparation for the message, Revelation chapter 13. And as you're turning, I, I want to express a sincere appreciation to Pat Nash and Pastor Lisa of our church family here for preparing and decorating the, the sanctuary, the platform for October and for the fall season. And you, you might appreciate knowing that the lovely flowers on that side, uh, the live flowers there, the live flowers there, were kindly provided by Alma, Alma Florist Shop, which is where we normally order our flowers for various purposes. And so that was very uh, much appreciated and uh, we're grateful for Alma Flores' kindness. Amen. Well, my friends, our subject today is the mark of the beast and COVID vaccines. Now, for those of you who would say, I'm not interested in that kind of stuff, stick with me, all right? I think you will be as we progress. In Canada, as most of you know, we especially started to be seriously affected by COVID-19 in March of 2020, right? And throughout 2020, pharmaceutical companies around the world worked hard. They worked very hard and long hours, thousands of people, staff members, to, uh, to try to discover a vaccine or multiple vaccines to deal with COVID. And as most of us know, in the early part of 2021, uh, several vaccines started to be approved by not only the pharmaceutical companies following a lot of research, but also by the various governments and medical departments of countries around the world. Uh, many of us will remember praying very diligently such that vaccines would be found. Now here is the first truth I ask you to focus on with me briefly today. First truth is reasons, reasons why some people refuse to take the COVID vaccines. Some of you know some of them, but here, here's a little summary. Some people have refused to believe that COVID-19 even exists until they or a close relative of theirs has become very sick and unfortunately has sometimes died. And then all of a sudden, some of those dear folks have said, wow, I didn't take this seriously, but it's for real, right? Then some people think the COVID fighting vaccines were developed too quickly and therefore could not be good. Uh, some have been lacking trust in the medical field. If you fall into that category, talk to me. I have some uh, scientific background that I can be some assistance with, okay? Now, I've heard other people say that the whole COVID and vaccine issue has just been a conspiracy, a conspiracy by the government to try to control people. In fact, some of you have said that to me. Um, I'm happy, not happy, but I'm willing to have discussions with you about that because honestly, that doesn't make sense to me, all right? Others are refusing to take COVID vaccines because of the uncertainty of long-term side effects, and that's understandable. And what some of you may not know, what some of you may not know, but some of you do know, is that some vaccine resistors 
have been concerned that the vaccines might be or that the vaccines are, in fact, the mark of the beast. How many, well, I won't ask. I was going to say, how many of you, how many of you have been aware of that? Don't put your hand up, okay? All right? And um, some have said, oh, I'm not taking that, that vaccine, that thing, because it's probably the mark of the beast as spoken of in Revelation chapter 13. So, beginning in Revelation 13, at verse 11, let's read this portion of Scripture. In theory, there is uh, the whole chapter actually referring to this topic, but let's just begin at Revelation 13, verse 11. Then I saw another beast come up out of the earth, he had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. He did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to earth from the sky while everyone was watching. And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to this world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast, who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. This is referring here to the Antichrist, most likely the Antichrist being controlled by Satan. Verse 15. He was then permitted to give life to this statue so that it could speak. Then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. Verse 16. He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the, one who, let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. All right. Let's pray. Why don't you just stand as we pray, please. Let's stand, would you? Heavenly Father, as we continue on in this message, Lord, I just pray, I pray that you would just help me and help us to communicate, to understand, to, um, to get a better, a better understanding indeed of this whole topic and to become better stewards of Jesus, better Christians because of our message today. Let it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Feel free to be seated. Okay. In the scripture that we just read, there is the reference here to the mark of the beast. And so I take you to this second point today. What is the mark of the beast? In our Holy Bible, in the last book of... Uh, the Bible that we just read from, Revelation, it tells us here of, quote, the mark of the beast, right? 
And uh, these verses have, have often been interpreted as referring to the last days. The last days before the second coming of Christ. A one world leader will arise who is referred to as the beast or as the antichrist who is being controlled by Satan and who will demand that each person worship him, be loyal to him and be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. Now the mark is for basically two reasons. One, it is to be a sign of loyalty to the beast. And secondly, the mark would be necessary to buy or sell anything. And verse 17 says, and no one could buy or sell anything without that mark. For your interest, the word for mark, translated from the original Greek Bible, the word for mark in Greek means, in fact, a, a mark. A mark or a stamp engraved, etched, branded, cut, or imprinted. Bible scholars think it is, is something literal, literal and visible. All right? It's a visible mark of identification. Now, some people think it will be something like a, a tattoo, or there is a discussion among some scholars who think the, the mark will be some subdermal nanotechnology. Subdermal nanotechnology is already being used around the world, but I don't want to spend more time on that because I really do not believe it's going to be a subdermal nanotechnology type of mark in terms of the mark of the beast. Now, according to Revelation 13, verse 16, the mark on the right hand or on the forehead will be something visible whenever this happens in the future. This idea of a mark or a branding, by the way, is not, is not new and across centuries has too often, has too often been done using a hot or a very cold branding iron. I don't know if some of you have been aware of this. Sometimes, unfortunately, people have been branded so that um, they would be, uh, they would what? That's right. So that they would be identified just like, just like sometimes farmers, farmers uh, have branded livestock so that they would be identified as Farmer Jones's livestock, okay? When the mark of the beast happens in the future sometime, it will not be, it will not be the first time that people are branded or, or marked, all right? The purpose, the purpose of, of marking and branding people through history 
has been done for, for several reasons. One reason was to punish people. For instance, in the first century, if a slave tried to run away and was caught, he or she was often marked or branded on some part of their body, which was obviously very painful, very painful, and which in a sense was to remind the slave not to run away again. A second reason for branding people was to create fear, to create fear and terror in, in other slaves who saw or heard about the branding and would then say to themselves, boy, I, I'm never going to run away because if caught, I could end up feeling the agony of being branded like my neighbor down the street. A third reason behind branding and marking people was to identify people as to who they belong to, as someone here said just a few moments ago. The ancient Romans used to brand the gladiators and use them for grotesque sport in the Colosseum in Rome. How many of you have ever visited Rome and have seen the Colosseum? Just put your hand up. All right, quite a few of you. All right. And um, the gladiators, branded, would often have the battles there um, in the Colosseum. Years later, years later, in what is known as the Acts of Charbel, S-H-A-R-B-E-L, which was written in the 5th century, sadly, we read of how many Christians were publicly branded between the eyes because they refused to worship the Roman emperor called Trajan, T-R-A-J-A-N. They refused to worship Trajan. The emperor wanted to be looked upon as a god to be worshipped. And sadly, many Christians were branded between the eyes. I was reading a report entitled Human Branding, which told of how when North America was being settled in the 17th and early 18th centuries, branding was a common punishment. I, I didn't know this, to be honest with you, until I was preparing for this message. Branding was a common punishment for those found guilty of crimes. And the type of branding differed from, from crime to crime. Men and women who were sentenced, for example, men and women who were sentenced for adultery were branded with an A, an A for adultery on their chest. They would be stripped of the clothes and they'd literally be branded with, with the A on the chest. This is a few hundred years ago in North America. Um, then others would be branded for, with D, D as in doctor, for drunkenness, and B, B for blasphemy or burglary, uh, T on the hand for thief, F, F on the cheek for forgery. And so there were periods of time when people were branded in, in, in that way for various reasons. 
Now, it really bothered me greatly, it still bothers me greatly, to read of how many slave owners used to, used to use a, a whipping as their main method to punish a slave, and at other times, they would use branding with a hot iron, a hot iron, to punish a dear slave. It was terrible. A, a slave was sometimes marked with the letter R on their forehead, signifying that they were a criminal and a runaway. R for runaway, you know? It is, it is disgusting how people have been mistreated across the centuries, how people have been mistreated by other people, right? Some of you, I'm sure, know that in the 1930s and 40s, 1930s and 40s, not that long ago, Jews, Jews, precious Jewish people were marked, branded by Hitler's Nazi regime as they were taken to concentration camps. It was terrible. Now, I have given you a brief overview of how people have been marked or branded across the centuries. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me, it reminds me of the words of the weeping prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how bad it is? Right? Someone has said, a wicked heart in a wicked man does not change regardless of the century, regardless of the culture, or regardless of the civilization the problem is not education. The problem is not advancement of society. The problem is sin. And the answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. Amen. In my Thanksgiving message last Sunday, I said, thank you, Lord, for being able to change us for the better. To change us for the better. You see, Satan and his evil forces and the beast, whoever that will be, will try to change you and you and you and me, try to change us for the worse, for the worse. But let's determine, let's, let's decide to always allow Jesus by his spirit to change us for the better, to do as 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, to make you and me holy in every way, to sanctify us through and through. Amen? And whether the beast spoken of in Revelation 13 appears in our generation or in years down the road, my friends, let us refuse, let us obviously refuse to take the mark of the beast and to say, as the chorus declares, I have decided, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, 
no turning back. Though no one join me, still I will follow. Though no one join me, still I will follow. Though no one join me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Amen? Amen? Yes, yes. Let me take you to a third truth now. Who or what would the first century Christians have interpreted the beast to be? Okay. Think about this, this issue now. The pages of Revelation were written initially, initially by the Apostle John to seven churches. At the time, John was an old man who had been exiled to a little island called Patmos on the eastern side of Greece. John had been sent to Patmos by the Roman emperor for preaching about Christ. The churches were experiencing a lot of persecution by the Roman emperor. Why? Because the emperors expected all the people to worship them as a god. And Christians, Christians refused to worship the emperor. All right? They said, Jesus is Lord and no one else. Jesus is Lord. It wasn't that they, it wasn't that they deliberately wanted to cause problems or trouble for the emperor. It's just that they said, look, we cannot worship you. We have one God, one God who came to earth in the person of Jesus, and Jesus is our master. Jesus is our Lord. We will cooperate with our government we will do what we need to do, but we cannot worship the emperor. And so many of the emperors strongly disliked or hated the Christian community. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4 says, This letter is from John to the seven churches in the, in the province of Asia. And then in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, you can read the specific messages to the various churches. Um, there, there, there's a message to the church in, in Ephesus. Um, technicians, if you want to just show these quickly, uh, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, um, Unless you've recently read Revelation, you, you, know, you wouldn't necessarily be familiar with those towns or cities, but they were, they were vibrant, vibrant communities in that first century. Just like now, we obviously have various cities here in the province of Ontario. Then in, in Revelation chapter 13, he talks about the beast, the Antichrist, in Revelation 13 where we read from, he talks about the beast and the mark of the beast. Once again, just look at Revelation 13, beginning at verse 16, where it says, he, that, that is the, the, the beast, uh, the main beast, the Antichrist, 
required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead, and no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let, let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. All right. Remember now, this is initially written to those first century Christians. And so, so how would they have interpreted verses such as we just read? What would it have meant to them? Well, if you read the first verse, verse 1 of Revelation 13, you will see that it says... Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads. Many Bible scholars believe that to the first century Christians, the beast, the beast is a symbolic representation of first century Roman emperors. Some of you have maybe known that. And then in Revelation 13, 1, each head would possibly represent one emperor. While there is some debate in scholarship on which specific emperors the author of Revelation is alluding to, there is fairly widespread agreement that Emperor Nero, N-E-R-O, is one of those that is being referred to. This conclusion is drawn not only from other references to Nero in Revelation, but also from his reputation in the first century for persecuting Christians in Rome. Emperor Nero, in many ways, was a beast. He was a beast. He was like a, like a monster towards Christians and anyone who disagreed with him. Nero did terrible things. Nero, for example, killed his own mother. Uh, and he killed two of his wives. First one, and later the second one. Nero also crucified many Christians because they refused to, to bow before him. They refused to worship him. He was also responsible, Nero was, responsible for deliberately starting a major fire in Rome which lasted about a week and burned down most of the city, burned down the houses and the businesses. And the reason he did that, now he tried to hide the fact that he was behind it, that he, he was responsible for it, but he wanted, he wanted to rebuild Rome from the bottom up so that it would be a dazzling city, so that he could boast to the world that, oh, you want to come and see my Rome, see how beautiful and modern it is. <clears throat> now after the fire, when he saw how angry, how bitter the citizens were, and they, they discovered that Nero was behind the, the fire. Nero tried to free himself of blame by placing guilt on the Christians living in the city of Rome. 
That's what he did. And the Christians had nothing to do with starting the fire, but he was looking for a scapegoat. And perhaps, perhaps the clearest reference to Nero in Revelation is the infamous 666. In the last verse there, Revelation 13, verse 17. All right? 666, the number of the beast that constitutes the beast's mark. Now, although there has been much speculation over the number's significance in the past, there is a growing body of scholars who believe, who believe it to be a direct reference to Nero, Emperor Nero. There is a, a well-known practice in the ancient world called gematria, G-E-M-A-T-R-I-A. -A. Put your hand up if any of you know what gematria is. Anyone know? Okay, all right. Well, there's this practice, there was this practice in the ancient world of <clears throat> gematria in which letters are assigned a numerical value. They were assigned a numerical value. This allowed authors to refer to individuals by using the number of their name rather than their actual name. That's what gematria was all about. Biblical scholars have long noted that in Hebrew characters, in Hebrew characters, the numerical value, the numerical value of Nero's formal title, which is Caesar Nero, the numerical value of his name is, guess what? Six, six, six. Therefore, it sounds like the beast or the Antichrist spoken of in Revelation 13 to the first century reader would have been Nero, Nero. It is possible, but there's a complicating factor. I thought, I thought I would leave it there, then I thought, I want to be honest with you. Well, I always want to be honest with you. <laughs> I want to be honest with you. Historians, historians have generally thought that Revelation was written sometime in the 90s, sometime in the 90s, between 90 and 100 A.D. All right? Stick with me now. At that time, in the 90s, the Roman emperor was Domitian, D-O-M-I-T-I-A-N. Emperor Domitian ruled the Roman Empire from 90 to 95 A.D., all right? So Domitian was the emperor from 90 to 95. 
Emperor Nero, Nero ruled the empire from 54 to 68 AD. Nero committed suicide after all the terrible things he did. For me, it was not a surprise that he, he couldn't live with himself, although no one knows exactly why he committed suicide. But in other words, in other words, around 25 years had passed since, since Nero had died and the Apostle John wrote Revelation. So, so, I'm actually surprised the readings that I did. I'm surprised that no one <laughs> mentioned this or brought it up. So, I said to myself, how could the references to the beast in Revelation 13 actually be referring to Emperor Nero, who was already gone for about 25 years? Are you following me on this? You have to think a little bit. All right? So I said to myself, wait a minute. Okay, so all these scholars are saying it was most likely Nero that 666 is, being, is referring to. And so I said, you know, how could it be referring to Nero when he was already gone for about 25 years? Here's a possible explanation. Here's a possible reason. When Emperor Nero committed suicide in 68 AD, a lot of the Roman people, Michael, a lot of the Roman people, and Michael studies hard. He does a great job, by the way, with his small group lessons. Michael, when Emperor Nero committed suicide, a lot of the Roman people, including Christians, had a hard time believing that Nero was actually dead. There was a sense of, this is too good to be true. Okay? That, that's how they, they felt. The, the people, including Christians, basically said, this is too good to be true. You mean, Nero's gone? Nero's gone? Are you sure? Are you sure? Nero had been so evil and had caused so much hurt that people had a hard time believing he was gone. People were afraid for decades after. People were afraid that he, he could surprise everyone and pop up or come back to life. It, it was a serious issue for several decades. They thought, we can't believe it. He's hiding, he's hiding, he's hiding. He's going to come back and strike back again. And, and so, where Revelation chapter 13, verse 12 says, the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed, it could. It could be referring to Emperor Nero coming back to life. We'll never know the full answer. However, however, there is a sense in which many of the evil qualities of Nero were passed on to rulers, rulers who came after him. A lot of the emperors expected to be treated as a god 
And there was no way the early Christians would do that. There, there was no way. In a, in a sense, what Revelation 13, verses 16 to 18, was saying to the first century Christians was, no matter the cost, no matter what any emperor does to you, don't compromise your faith in Jesus. That's what was being said. Don't worship the emperor, whether it's Domitian, whether it's Emperor Nero of years gone by, or anyone else who comes down the line. Don't worship others. Give all your love and devotion and worship to Jesus Christ. And it's the same message for us today. Amen. <laughs> same message for us today, my friends. Do not get off course, off track, don't deviate, but rather keep your eyes on Jesus. Focus on the Lord and devote yourself fully to him. Amen? All right. I wanted you to have a little background there on the mark of the beast before I, I take you to this fourth truth now. And it is this. All right. Are the COVID vaccines a mark of the beast? As, as some people have, have, been, have been saying. In fact, in fact, just a week ago, someone from my church, from our church, spoke to me about this because of what they heard on, on, on television. And, um, and I said, well, it's very interesting that you bring this up because actually, actually I, I had this in my notes to get into last week, but ran out of time. Um, and um, I, I was going to get into it in a much, uh, much less manner, in a, in a brief manner. But anyway, so the question is, are the COVID vaccines a mark of the beast? And the answer is no, absolutely not. The COVID vaccines are not a mark of the beast, just as the, the Tylenol, aspirin, blood pressure pills, diabetes pills, polio vaccines, and other vaccines, which many of us have used, are not, are not a mark of the beast. Absolutely not. Now I would, I would never have thought that it would be necessary for me or for any pastor to have to declare that the COVID vaccines are not a mark of the beast. However, I have discovered that there are people, in fact many people, who have been incorrectly saying, and some who have been preaching, that COVID vaccines are possibly or are definitely a mark of the beast. And when I, when I discovered this, I thought, man, it just boggles my mind as to where people's minds sometimes go to. The result is, the result is there are people in Canada, in the United States, and probably in some other countries who are refusing to take a vaccine which can save their life, 
but are afraid of taking it because they heard or read someone say the COVID vaccines are the mark of the beast. Some of the southern states, some of you might know this, some of the southern states, especially such as Arkansas, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Alabama, have had a very low percentage of people get vaccinated against the COVID, against COVID. And one, one of the main reasons is because of concerns that the vaccines might be the mark of the beast. In August, for instance, in August, just what, you know, what went by, in August of 2021, for instance, in the state of Louisiana, Louisiana, only 37.2% of the residents had been fully vaccinated. 37.2%. Other states were worse. For instance, Arkansas, 37%. Wyoming, 36.7%. Mississippi, 34.8%. Alabama, 34.6%. In Canada here, in October of 2021, we have about 82% of our people fully vaccinated, double vaccinated, maybe a little bit past 82. All right? So you see the big difference from 35 to 40%? This doesn't mean we're angels here in Canada, okay? Doesn't mean that at all. Um, over the summer, the state of Louisiana experienced the worst outbreak of new COVID cases per capita in the United States with record hospitalizations. If you were watching the news, you would have heard about this. Over the summer, Arkansas saw the third worst COVID outbreak in the country based on daily new cases per capita. Over the summer, the state of Mississippi uh, experienced the fourth worst outbreak in the country. Now, some of this had to do with some people, some people literally being afraid that the COVID vaccines were the mark of the beast and were therefore refusing to take the vaccines. Now the good news, the good news is a lot of the people in the specific states that I have mentioned have finally started to get vaccinated after seeing many of their relatives and friends get sick and die from COVID. As of October, there have been 725,000 deaths, about that, 725,000 deaths from COVID in the United States. I believe that's, that's even more than the whole city of Winnipeg here in Canada. All right, now, I realize I am speaking <clears throat> primarily to Canadians, but we need to also care about our neighbors to the south of us. Amen? To our sister visiting from the U.S., there, there, there might be some others here. We care about you, okay? We have often prayed for folks in New York and Florida and Louisiana and, 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 and California, areas that especially have been hard hit by COVID. That's right. Okay. All right. So I said the COVID vaccines are not a mark of 
the beast. Now, here, here are some reasons. Some of you would say, well, okay, give us some reasons, Pastor Nick. Here are some reasons why we know the vaccines are not a mark of the beast. Reason number one. The mark of the beast will be given on the right hand or on the forehead, according to Revelation 13, chapter 13, verses 16 to 18. All right? Earlier we read that passage. To, to try to simplify a passage of Scripture such as that, um, which, which, by the way, we could easily spend hours on, I want you to notice verse 16, which says, which says, he, the beast or the Antichrist, required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. On the right hand or on the forehead. Okay, that's what the Bible says. When I was given my first dose of the COVID vaccine, and then when I was given the second dose of the vaccine, was I given it on my right hand or on my forehead? Absolutely not. No one has been given the vaccines on their forehead or on their hand. We were given the vaccine near the top of the arm, and most of us, most of us couldn't even say exactly where the needle with the vaccine was given to us. I couldn't tell you, I couldn't say, oh, it was exactly here. All right? Reason number two how we know the vaccines are not the mark of the beast is this. In, in the Bible verses I read, think about this, in the Bible verses I read, there is no, there is no suggestion, no connection to anything medical and the mark of the beast. In Revelation, the mark of the beast is not, it is not a medical procedure. Got that? It's not a medical procedure. Nearly all Bible scholars agree that the COVID vaccines have nothing to do with the mark of the beast. Reason number three, how we know the vaccines are not the mark of the beast, according to Revelation 13, 16 to 18, the mark of the beast is something visible, all right? Whether it's the hand, forehead, it is something visible, the vaccine is not visible once in the body. As I said before, I couldn't tell you exactly where the needle was put into my arm. Reason number four, how we know the vaccines are not the mark of the beast. Stick with me. In modern history, this, this kind of thing of interpreting events that happen in our world or in the country, um, has happened different times. In modern history, some Christians have been suspicious of anything new, especially when it involves the government. Okay? For example, for example, back in the 1930s, when the American government introduced Social Security, when they introduced Social Security, 
which is comparable to social insurance here in Canada, some opponents of social security who were Christians labeled the government of FDR, Franklin D. Roosevelt, he was often called FDR, a lot of Christians labeled the government of FDR as the beast. To our visiting American friend, you probably didn't know that, did you? All right? And, and some Christians spoke of the social security number back in the 30s when it was introduced. They spoke of the social security number as the mark of the beast. You know? They were truly afraid that social security was the mark of the beast. People were, were deeply concerned about this whole issue. Time has, of course, shown it had nothing to do with the biblical mark of the beast. In an article that I read by Dr. Curtis Chang called, Is the COVID Vaccine the Mark of the Beast? Dr. Chang says something important. He says, he says in the 1950s and 1960s, when giant telephone companies were seen as part of the shift from agricultural rural life to technological ur urban life, rural Christians labeled these companies the beast. Did you know that? They said, they said the newly assigned, listen to this, the newly assigned three-digit area codes were the three-digit mark of the beast. And the same pattern occurred with large financial institutions in the 1970s with the rollout of credit card numbers and in the 1980s the rollout of barcodes in the 1990s with computers and the internet in the 2000s with RFID technology which can track objects, right? which can track objects. And what I'm saying, my friends, what I'm saying is that in the past hundred years, there have been times when some people have thought that the introduction of things such as social security numbers in the United States, telephone numbers, credit card numbers, barcodes, RFID technology, some people have thought that these numbers and the codes were the mark of the beast. There's been, a, there's been a slew of those. And now, some Christians and some speakers have called the vaccine itself the mark of the beast. There is, by the way, there is even the false rumor that some sort of tracking, some sort of tracking feature is built into the vaccine. This is how crazy some things can get. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, Pastor Nick, the possibility of the COVID vaccines being, being the mark of the beast is so ridiculous. Why did you spend time on it? Unfortunately, unfortunately, for some Christians, 
this issue has been a real concern to the extent, to the extent that one hospital called, called uh, Hennepin Healthcare, that's located in Minneapolis, states, they felt they had to put this uh, on their website, they, they state in an online fact sheet that, quote, the COVID-19 vaccine do, vaccines do not contain the mark of the beast. Why did they say that? Why did they put that on their website? Because, because they had so many people asking if that was the case. Wow. Wow. My friends, I've given you just a few reasons as to why the COVID vaccines are not, are not the mark of the beast. They're not. And for anyone listening today here in the sanctuary, viewers online, if that has been the reason you have refused to take the vaccines, put it behind you. They are not. The vaccines are not anywhere connected, anyhow connected to the mark of the beast. And although we may not, we may not fully understand, no one, the simple truth is, I did a lot of reading in preparation for this message. And the truth is, no one, no one fully understands Revelation 13. The truth is, no one fully understands all of Revelation. Sometimes you'll hear people speak and talk about some things as if it's for certain this and that and for certain. Some things are certain, but some things aren't. We don't know. There are many passages here in Revelation that are mysterious and, and uncertain as to what exactly they mean. But the bottom line is, my friends, I believe, that the main the main truth that you and I need to take from a reading such as Revelation 13, where, where we're told that small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, will be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. What I believe you and I need to primarily take from this is is the same thing as the first century Christians. And that is, and that is, I believe God was trying to say to the first century Christians and to the Christians throughout these centuries, God was trying to say, look, you're going to have, you're going to have people who are going to say things, people who are going to do things to you that will, that will tend to cause you to get off course, that will tend to cause you to, to, uh, to, to, to abandon your faith and trust in Jesus. And John, author of the Revelation, was being inspired by God to say to the first century Christians and to all of us in the years to come, listen, fix your hearts, fix your minds, fix your, fix your all in all on Jesus. Fix all that you are on Jesus. Know, love, and serve Jesus Christ, with all your mind, heart, soul, spirit, with all that you are. There are th Amen. Amen. 
And so that's what you and I need to do, my friends. You and I need to do as the hymn writer says, musicians, if you want to come, to do as the hymn writer says, I surrender all. You may not understand, just as I don't understand everything that Revelation says, but your job and my job, your responsibility and mine, your duty and mine is to say, Lord, I surrender all. I surrender my heart. I surrender my life. I place my life in your hands. And that's what all of us need to do, whether we live here in Toronto, in Ontario, in Canada, whether you live down in New York or, or Florida or Louisiana or California, whatever state, or whether you live, we've got viewers overseas in Britain and Sri Lanka. Wherever you live, what God wants from each one of us is to say, Lord, I surrender all to you, to you, Jesus. And so as the musicians sing, would you stand, please? Would you stand? As the musicians sing, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. If as yet you have not surrendered all to Jesus, make this a moment when you will say, I surrender all, dear Lord. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And to those of us who have given our hearts and our lives to the Lord months or years ago, let's renew that commitment and say, Lord, whatever happens in my life, whatever, whatever beast comes about, whatever will tend to, tend to scare me away from serving Jesus, I surrender all. Bow your head where you are and pray. Say, Lord, I surrender all. Go ahead, sing musicians.